The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. As Christ followers are people that God in His grace and His mercy and His sovereignty called us, made it possible that we might hear the gospel the gospel containing the fact that God is a holy God and we are utterly undone in His presence and we're sinners. Separated from Him, not only in this life, but separated from Him for all of eternity. But He opens our hearts and our eyes and the Bible tells us that when God confronts us with that gospel presentation, we have a decision that we make at that moment, and that is to either trust God at what He has declared by His Word, which seems so crazy, or it seemed crazy to us before that moment in our lives. And we place our faith in what Christ has done for us and the assurance that we have salvation. We've been saved, we've been forgiven of our sins, and we have the hope of glory because of His resurrection that we too will have eternal life. But it's not over at that moment. Can anybody say amen to that? And as a peculiar people, as Peter describes us, look at the person next to you and you'll understand what Peter talks about there, right? And as peculiar people, he calls us as Christ's followers to live in this life whenever, what, to whatever end that might be. He calls us to continue to trust him at what he says, and nothing else. He calls us to live a life of faith. If you're like me, I, I revert to the right life of reasoning at times. How many of you are like that? But he reminds us throughout his word that he calls us to live a life of faith, to believe him. Several times in the Bible, as we're looking at Abraham this morning, that Abraham was declared righteous because he believed God. He took God at his word and he placed his faith in God and God alone. But in Abraham's life, just like your life and my life, there are times in our life that our faith is detoured. Can I get a big amen to that? Here God has called Abraham out of Ur. Abraham, go. It's not recorded, but he might have asked, where am I going? You're going to a place, and when you get there, I'll tell you you're there. Abraham, I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your people, your nation, and I want you to leave your household and go to a place. And the only direction that God had given to Abraham was go. And Abraham believed God at his word, and he begins to travel through. We saw that in the first half of chapter 12 of Genesis last week. And today, we're going to look at the last half of Genesis chapter 12, because Abraham began out of the gate in faith. And again, like you and I, his faith was challenged, and his 
faith detoured. Follow along with me as I begin to read in chapter 12, beginning in verse 10. Now, there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sovereign there. For the famine was severe in the land, and when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sari, his wife, he says, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. Let me pause here for a minute, put that in parentheses. Guys, it's always a good thing to say this to our wife. Amen. Amen. So Abraham turns to her and tells her, you're, you're a beautiful woman. Verse 12, and, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So say that you are my sister and that, that it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared for your sake. Now, his concern was for her sake and also his concern was for the promise that God had given him earlier in the beginning of chapter 12. And what Abraham said here was, was not exactly a lie, but it wasn't exactly the truth. It was kind of a half-truth because, in fact, Sarah was Abraham's half-sister. Different mother, same father. Through the bloodline, we could qualify Sarah as Abraham's sister. And so he says, okay, now let's pull this out of the box because I'm concerned when we get to Egypt, Pharaoh's going to want to take you to be his wife. Uh, so, so don't tell them that you're, you're my wife because they're going to kill me so that they can have you. Instead, tell them that you're my sister so that we might be spared. Verse 14, when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well, well with Abram. And he had sheep and ox, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. He gives all of this to Abraham. Verse 17, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sari, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is it that you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say that she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Father, we pray that God, you would Help us to mine the riches out of this story, God. Lord, so that in our life, God, we might apply these principles that you give to us through this old story of what it means to walk by faith, to live a life continually of walking by faith, just believing and trusting you at your word. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this story, we might be thinking, what in, this, what in the world... How does this relate to me in my life, right? I mean, we've never faced a famine. Some of you may feel like you face a famine when you don't get out at 11 o'clock and you've got to make the buffet before everybody else does. 
But that's about the most famine that we face in our life. Got a note, a message from Booker Banda this week. You know, Booker, uh, pastor in Malawi, who's been here with us. He's training pastors there. And they are in the midst of a famine in Malawi. And he sends me a letter. He says, do as God would have you do, but can you help? We're going to help Booker. Amen? And the training of those pastors. Facing famine there. But, but I, I look at this passage, and, and as I meditated through it, I, I saw that there are five principles that we can apply in our life so that we don't derail or detour in our life of faith. What are the things that can get us off track in this life of faith that He calls us to? Again, so often it, it, we, we, we live in such a culture that it seems that everything is provided for us and just for the, for the asking, it's there. And it's very easy for us as Christ followers to leave that walking by faith and looking to God and believing Him for His Word and we begin to walk rather than by faith, we begin to walk by sight. And it's very easy for us as believers to kind of get into the continual cruise control mode in the life of faith. Can, would everybody be honest and say, yes, it's very easy to do that? Especially when it, when it comes to body life, when it comes to the church and the mission that God has called us to. We as good Baptists, man, we like to develop programs and set things in place and somehow figured out that, that if they came up with it in Nashville and they tell us it'll work, then it'll work here as well. That's not always the case. God calls us to walk and to live by faith. So this morning, I want to give us five principles of walking by faith. Number one is this. Faith requires trusting in God and in His Word alone. Trusting in God and in His Word alone. And we need to rest assured that if we are trusting in God's Word and in God alone, if that's our mission to do that, if that's our commitment to do that, our faith will be tested just as Abraham's faith was tested in this passage, right? Somebody has said that life can turn on a dime. And when those life events turn it requires that we trust in God and His Word alone. And knowing that we might not understand circumstances, we may not understand what's taking place, but we trust in God alone. Now, Abraham started great out of the gate, didn't he? God says, go. Abraham says, perhaps, where do I go? To the place that I tell you. And by faith, believing that God had given to Abraham a word, he put that into action. He left his homeland. He left his people. He left his father's household, that extended household, not having any idea where he was going to go. And in that, the first part of chapter 12, God gives Abraham some blessings in that in obedience to what God had called him to. He says, Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great name. You're going to have a great name. 
Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to become a people of your own. Abraham, not only are you going to become a people of your own, but you're going to become a great nation. And Abraham, through you, not only will Israel become a great nation, but all of the nations will be blessed through you. That was the word that God had given to Abraham. Now, it was very, very key because we find in chapter 11 that along with this promise, there was a problem, wasn't there? Because Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barrenless. She had no children, and she was unable to bear children. Now, if you're like me, I would say, well, that's a great promise, God. But, you know, I, and they did that, didn't they? Later, we're going to find in the story. A life of faith, always trust, calls us to trust in the Word of God without knowing the next step. I can remember some 35, 36 years ago when Sandy and I really sensed that God was calling us in our life. Now, I am not trying to put myself on the level of Abraham. I just want to share with you some times in my life that I know that God has called me to act in faith, trusting, believing His Word, not knowing what the next step might be, and also share with you along the way some of the failures in that where my faith was detoured from God's promises. But I can remember when God had called us, so to speak. I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know what was going to happen. But somehow or another, I had this great sense that God was calling me to vocational ministry. I was getting out of the Navy, had nothing else to do for the next year. So the next step, I, I felt like God had led us to prepare as God had called us to serve in ministry by enrolling in a Bible school there in our church in California, and it would require that Sandy would wait tables and I would bust tables in order to make ends meet. We had no idea what was going to take place the next year. We only knew that that was the first step that God had called us to. But can I tell you, even in the midst of that year, there were some things that came up that were very tempting for us to say, God, did we really hear you? Or God, do, you, do we really want to follow through with this, not having any idea what the next step would be? But can I tell you, through all of these years, God has been faithful all the way to the very core of the promises and the blessings that he has called us to and following in that call. The second thing is this, that faith rests on obeying God's word explicitly. God had spoken to Abraham, and God said, go to the land that I will show you. There, there was not the inkling of, and if, if this doesn't work out, Abraham, here's plan A, here's plan B, and here's plan C. Abraham, I want you to follow my word to the very T and do exactly as I have called you to do. Now, it's one thing to, for you and I to know the word of God, but it's quite another thing to obey the word of God. Amen? You see, we know that God's Word tells us to, to go and make disciples of every nation. There is not a debate here as to whether or not God has called us to invest and make other disciples. Everybody, for the most part, would agree with that. The question is, are we being obedient in that step of going and making disciples? 
We can talk about it all day long. We can parse the scriptures on it. We can debate about the ways to do it. And all of those may be good. But the question is, are we doing as individuals and as a church body what God has called us to do? We know that in that, we've got to share the gospel at every opportunity because God wants us to use that. We can all probably teach courses on evangelism. The question is, not do we know about evangelism, not do we know what to do in evangelism, but do we evangelize? You see, I might agree wholeheartedly that that the Bible teaches very clearly that that I am to give a portion of all of my, my, my income to God as an offering, but the question is, do I follow in obedience to that? You see, James warns believers there in his letter, that, that we must not just be hearers of the Word of God, but we are to be doers of the Word of God. He says this. He says, but be doers of the Word of God and not hearers only, and underline this, deceiving yourself. You see, I can deceive myself through all the acquired knowledge that I might have of Scripture. From the time I was an infant cutting my teeth in the nursery at Ben Hill Baptist Church, Sharon, you were there too, and and we might know that, and I've been to church my whole life, and I have all this accumulated knowledge of Scripture, and I can have all the pieces of paper on the wall. That does not matter a hill of beans if I'm not obedient to what God has called me and you to do. I'm not here to beat anybody up this morning. I'm here to exhort you and us through the Word of God to continue to walk in faith, not only knowing what God's Word says, but being obedient to what God's Word says. We know the great commission that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 28. It's part of our mission statement. Our mission statement revolves around that, that we're to go and make disciples of all nations. And then Jesus says, teaching them to do what? Obey all that I've commanded. Can I tell you one of the key marks in our lives as to whether we evaluate whether or not we are a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is whether or not we obey what he's commanded. That's not me for me to judge in your life, and that's not for you to judge in my life. It's for us to examine, as Paul said, examine yourselves daily to see whether or not you're of the faith. Because a mark of that is that we follow in obedience to what God has called us to. Number three is this, that faith always results in God's blessings. Believing God at His Word and walking according to faith will always result in blessings in the believer's life. Here's a caveat to it, though. You and I do not determine the nature and the character of that blessing God does. (laughs) You see, I can't claim, God, if I do this for you, then then you got to do this for me. God's not in the business of bargaining. We, by faith, believe that if we're obedient and we walk by faith to what God has called us, commanded us, 
directed us to do that there will be blessings that will come along with that. And can I tell you this, that those blessings may be blessings that we never see. Abraham never saw the children of Israel possess the land. Abraham never fully recognized his great name that God would bring. Abraham never saw all of the nations being blessed that would ultimately come through his seed, Jesus Christ, so that we not, that not only the Jews would be his people, but those who would trust Christ, the Gentiles, would be his people as well. Abraham never saw it. But rest assured that according to Scripture and the events that we can see in Scripture is that God will bless us. Here's the second thing about this in this blessings. Blessings may not be discernible at the time. We like to quote Romans 8, chapter 28, that all things work together for good in the lives of those who are called According to what? God's purposes. You see, I'm so narcissistic that I think that was written for me that says God's going to bless me through all of this. Some of us have been taught that. But if you look at the last part of that verse, it's for God's purposes, not mine. You see, God chooses how and what way he was gonna, He's going to bless, but we always know that He will fulfill His promises. Are we going to fail from time to time in this walk of faith? You bet. There are going to be times where we favor, where we, where we waver, where we fail, just as we see Abraham in this last part of, part of Genesis chapter 12. But we can be rest assured of this, the promise that God gives in 2 Timothy 2.13, he says this. He says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I can take that and put that in JMO terms. Now, now, this doesn't give me an excuse to be faithless. But it does give me assurance that somewhere along the way, that when I default in my walk in faith, when, when I get detoured in my walk of faith, that while I may be unfaithful at times, God remains faithful, and He will always fulfill His plans and His purposes for His glory and His good. You see, I began the sermon by saying that, that the Christian life begins in faith. And there are blessings in that. For, for Abraham, while he would not see all of the fulfillment of those blessings that God had promised, we are blessed in to see that when we first act in our faith, the blessing that first comes to us is salvation and forgiveness of sin in relationship to God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. 
And this not on your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, faith always results in blessings. The fourth thing is this, that faith relapses when we face life's issues and challenges without reference to God. That's a lot to unpack in that statement. But faith relapses when we face life's issues and challenges without reference to God. Let me put it in another term. When when we leave God out, we make a mess of things. As we're going along in this merry life and life situation pops up, So often we can resort to our own mechanics of problem-solving that we never inquire of God and say, God, what would you have me do? Or God, what do I need to do? Now, we got to look at this passage again. We find that all of a sudden, Moses records here that, that there was a famine in the land. Now, some of this is injecture into the passage, but we not only observe Scripture to see what is there, we also observe Scripture to see what is not there. And the glaring thing that occurs to me when all of a sudden Abraham had gotten to the land where God was calling to, and there was a famine in the land, and what is not recorded there is, God, what do I do now that there's a famine in the land? It's very parallel to what I see happening in my life. Oftentimes, when crisis hits, I don't first inquire of God and say, God, what do you have me do? I resort to go into the ways of Egypt rather than to walk by faith with God. Let me give an example, and a lot of you are going to go, oh, my. Car breaks down. I don't have the money. First thing I do is I pull out that American Express and say, just put it on that puppy. I'll pay the 21% over the next 30 years and pay off four times as much or 20 times as much rather than saying, God, I've got this need. God, how do you want to answer this? You can apply that in a lot of different ways in our lives, but But man, so oftentimes we resort, just like Abraham did, in going to Egypt rather than waiting on God to say, God, what am I to do? No evidence here at all that they had ever asked him. There's an interesting story in in, uh, Joshua chapter 9. It's one of my favorite stories. After Joshua had led the children of Israel into the promised land and and they had, had great success in campaigns and in their military actions of taking possession of the land. And as the other armies would come against them, God was giving them great victory. But there was this group of folks that were in the land, and they saw all that the children of Israel had done to the surrounding armies, and they devised a plan. 
And behind the plan was, you know what, if, if we don't make some type of arrangement with Joshua and the children of Israel, then we're going to fall fate just like these other nations did. And so they, they got their minds together and they said, you know what, we're going to tell Joshua that we traveled from a far distant land. We're not one of those that are in the land that he's to conquest. And we're going to go to him and we're going to tell him, would you make a treaty with us so that we might be in favor of the children of Israel? So if you remember the story, they, they got bread, they made sure the bread was mildewed and the bags were worn, and they got worn-out sandals, and they got worn-out wine skins, and, and they put them all on their animals, and they traveled to where Joshua was. The fact is, they were only a couple of days' travel from where Joshua was, but when they get to Joshua, they say, Joshua, we need you to make an agreement with us, lest that, that we, uh, we fall like all of these other nations. We're from a far distance away, and, and you know, will never give you any problems. And the, the Scriptures tell us that, that Joshua and the others made an agreement, and then it says in very bold letters, and they did not inquire of the Lord. From that point on in the history of Israel, those people were always a nemesis to them in the land. You see, sometimes it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, but it may not be a duck. It may be an ugly goose, right? You see, to stop and to pause and inquire of the Lord, not only in major decisions, but little decisions of our lives, do we realize that God is so desirous to be intricately involved in our lives so that we might fulfill the plans and purposes that He has in our lives, that if we just stop and ask... God may speak to us a completely different, in a different way than what we might have. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 tell us this, that, that when we lack wisdom, we're to ask God for wisdom, we're to ask God for a word, and, and God will liberally grant us wisdom. But then James warns, he says, but when you receive that wisdom, don't say, I'm paraphrasing, that's not what I wanted to hear. But that man will live tossed to and fro. He's an unstable man in all of his ways. God wants to speak to you and to me. His primary way of doing that in our lives is through the Word of God. And it necessitates that, that we be in the Word of God, seeking God, His direction in every detail of our lives. The last one is this. This is a good one. God rescues us when our faith falters in order to keep His promises. Now, we may still suffer some of the consequences of those decisions, but God will rescue us just as He did in Abraham and Sarah's life here. Hey, don't tell them you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister. Pharaoh brings her into his household to make him his wife, and God brings a plague on the house of Pharaoh. Can I, can I put this in my... Pharaoh, God rescued Abraham and Sarah from their bumboggled decision to try to take matters in their own hands, and rather than trusting God, 
they kind of concocted a half-line, half-story, half-true story to try to operate and use deception rather than trusting God in the midst of that. And don't we sometimes do that as well? Well, the good news is, is that God will rescue us if our heart is bent towards Him, if our desire is to live a life and to walk by faith, God will intervene and God will give us redirection or rescue in our life when we have messed up. Has He ever done that in your life? We still might bear out some of the consequences And in this instance, God intervened miraculously. Now, God does not always intervene in miraculous and stupendous ways like this. I mean, I don't know if any of us have ever seen God bring a plague on somebody else's household to rescue us, right? But He will intervene that way if necessary. And sometimes we have the questions, God, why didn't you intervene miraculously? It's because His ways are higher than our ways beyond our finding out. We've got to trust God. If God doesn't always respond the way we think God should respond, the problem's not with God. The problem is me trusting and believing God and His plans and that His ways are higher than mine. So what do we do when we get detoured in our faith? What do you do if perhaps you've been detoured in your faith? You're sitting here today and you're like, man, you know, I kind of did like Abraham did. I I didn't wait on God and the promise for the son. I went ahead and, and, and jumped in bed with Hagar. What do I do? Four quick things that, that I think are biblical principles that we do. Number one, is we stop. You see, our tendency sometimes can be to resolve our issues by creating greater difficulties and devising other ways to try to get out of a situation. We stop. We say, God, I've blown it here. <laughs> Been waiting for you to tell me that, JMO. God, I repent of that attitude of of being self-reliant, relying on my own devices, relying on my own skills, relying on my own charisma, whatever it might be. God, relying on my own resources, relying on my own means. God, I repent of that. God, I turn from that. Now, God, I ask you to give me direction from this point on. Stop. Confess. Repent and ask. Here's what I would do in closing. Zach, come just lead us in a closing song. And If you're in that situation today that you've, 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 you've messed up some stuff maybe by just not walking in faith and believing God for His promises, then I want to give opportunity this morning in closing before we leave. You see, I find what happens, you know, we leave the sanctuary, we get to talking, we get to talking chit-chat, we talk about the pollen, we talk about all this kind of stuff, and sometimes we never make 
a response to what God has said to us right here today. If there's been a situation like that, and maybe you're still bearing out some of the consequences in it, or maybe you're faced with a very difficult time of situation right now, and it's very hard to walk by faith, I want to ask you this morning in this closing time, right where you are, just stop. Confess. That's, that's the person said to Jesus, help me in my unbelief. Confess that. Have a repentant heart. Be willing to turn back to Him and trust Him to walk in faith and say, God, now I trust you to give me wisdom in how to handle this. God, how to react to this. God, how to respond to this. God, what direction to go in? Or God, do I just stay right where I am? And when you hear the Holy Spirit speak, if you're walking with Him, Jesus said, my sheep know me and they hear my voice. God speaks to you. Be resolute to walk out in faith in what God might be leading you to do. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.